people get very sucked into the lifestyle they don't understand the true costs of things and before you know it you've been here however many months and perhaps you haven't saved anything typically there isn't uh, retirement funds here for people so as time goes by you can very easily you know spend too much money and perhaps one of your motivators for moving to this part of the world was to earn more and save more but very quickly you can not be in that position Welcome along to episode four of Financial Athletes, where today we're going to be joined by Rebecca Ellis, who is one of the youngest ever chartered financial planners. Rebecca is going to be telling us today about how she studied financial services at university and was one of the only students at the time to undertake that course. She's then going to say how her career began in Manchester. After that, we're going to be looking at some of the realities of becoming an expat, moving overseas, working in finance overseas, and some of the challenges that expats face when they make the leap of leaving their home country and starting out a new life overseas. So Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us today. Great to have you on the show. Hi, Kieran. Thanks for having me. Uh, most welcome. So Rebecca, let's just talk about your background a bit. When you started in finance, what were the main motivators for you moving into the industry when you were coming out of university? So I'm one of the few people whose degrees actually is in financial services and financial planning. So when I graduated, I already had a clear idea of what industry I wanted to go into and what job to go into Mm -hmm. so for me it was more the time when I was at university that I was understanding what this industry is and why I wanted to go into the the industry. So what are the key differences you said you studied financial services as opposed to finance which is perhaps more common what are the key differences there? So in my opinion a financial services degree versus a financial planning degree so The financial planning degree that I did was very much related to what we do on a day-to-day basis. So there was pensions, investing, tax planning, whereas the other degrees that people who I know have studied in this area are more around finance, which would be perhaps accounting um, or, you know, working within a company to manage their finances. But my degree was very much focused on personal financial planning. And that, that was your, not your undergraduate, that was your master's degree, right? undergraduate that was your undergraduate degree so that's quite that's quite rare not that many universities offer that as a degree choice no so at the time there was only a couple of universities who did offer a degree like that Uh but actually when I first went to university that wasn't the degree that I initially picked oh really so what was your initial choice path into this was through an accounting degree okay so when I was doing my A-levels and at the time where I was choosing what the next steps would be and what I wanted to study at university I, at that time, was very much interested in business and maths. Okay. So I thought the logical thing to do would be study a study accounting and finance. Got you. So I went off to university to do accounting and finance, and I did the first year, and then essentially some of me and my uh, other people that were on my course were poached to go into this other degree, which was the financial planning degree. Mm-hmm. So the reasons why I made that move were... There was, um, just at my university, there was hundreds of students doing the accounting degree. But then across all the other universities in the country, there would have been thousands of people all graduating at the same time. So with the financial planning degree, this was a good time to get into the industry because there was lots of changes going on. uh, They were bringing in, in the UK, a lot more regulations, which meant that a lot of financial advisors or financial planners were retiring and not actually going through the stages to do these additional qualifications. Mm -hmm. So it was a good time for younger people to go into the industry because there was lots of jobs available and 
with financial planning, we always find every year there's more and more people that need the services of a financial advisor. For sure. I mean, what do you think was the main driver behind that regulation coming in and that changing at that point in time? I think as more people start to make use of a financial advisor, there becomes essentially more regulation, more bodies that are involved with governing the industry. So I think it's that the regulator's duty was to make sure that people who are giving that advice are well qualified to do it and that there's kind of ongoing requirements for people to keep mm-hmm. their knowledge up because you know things are always changing with taxes. So you've got to be on the ball to know what's happening. For sure. So it's, it's in the client's benefit in the long run, of course, of course all of yeah. that. So has that grown? Have you been monitoring it in the UK in terms of the offering from universities for that field of study? Is that Yes, I don't have any statistics, but I know there are more un- universities that do it mm-hmm. and the exam bodies are now more on board with the universities um, offering degrees in this area. So okay. when I did my course, I was actually the first year group to go through that degree programme. And when we graduated, we got a number of exemptions from one of the exam boards within the industry. Okay. So we were in a good position when we graduated because we had exemptions from some of the exams that you have to take in order to be able to give advice in the UK. But that was quite a process, and because we were the first year, it wasn't ready as soon as we graduated, whereas I know that now there's a much smoother process for the universities that offer these degrees, and they are more able to allow graduates to gain employment quite quickly within the industry with the qualifications needed. Okay, so you're seeing a lot more people who are ready to perhaps come into financial services industry with the correct qualification whereas before it was perhaps people doing a degree that was slightly different and then training on the job yeah exactly or lots of people who perhaps had started at the bottom and worked their way up so there's quite within the financial planning market in the UK I say there's quite good career progression Mm -hmm. so you have lots of people that have come in perhaps straight out of college or even straight out of school you know started doing the administration side of the role done some qualifications and then as time goes by they keep doing more exams become more knowledgeable and are able to go on to you know quite successful jobs within the industry without even having the the degree okay brilliant so there's different ways to 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 get to that position okay so then you started working in was it manchester where you first started out okay so tell me about that how did that journey go out of university into the working world So I was at university in Manchester and my first job was in Manchester. So in terms of moving to a new place, that was relatively kind of done already. Um, But going into the world of work, you know, was different to the previous life as it is for everybody. You've Mm -hmm. got a lot more structure. It was quite hectic for me because I was working and doing my qualifications. So whilst I came out of my degree with some exemptions from some of the exams that I needed, yeah. I was doing additional studying. So I was working and either getting to work early to do an hour of studying or perhaps do some after work. So it was juggling the, the different needs there. Mm. And was the role, as you imagined, when you were at university and you transitioned into work, was it what you thought it was going to be? Or were there any main like shocks and changes that were a bit unexpected? So I started on a graduate training course and the idea behind that scheme was you very much started at the bottom and worked your way up. Uh So I think whilst on the degree, and you could probably apply this to quite a lot of degrees, that you're taught the theory and the technicalities behind it all. 
But what was so different when you actually in the workplace was that you are applying that knowledge and actually using it on you know, real life cases on clients of the company. For sure. So it was good to be able to think, okay, if you were asked to do something, I understand, I've seen this, you know, in textbooks, I've been taught it by lecturers, but now I can actually see it in real life and understand how all the pieces of this puzzle fit together. So then how long did you work in Manchester doing that? So I was there for about two years. Two years, and then, I mean, this is the main theme of the episode, so then what was it about the UAE? So you're now based in Dubai. What was it that caught your attention? Why did you decide to up sticks and take, I guess, a real risk um, and and move your whole life over to the UAE? What was the main driver behind that? So the main driver was really that I just wanted to try something new, do something Mm -hmm. different. So by this point, I'd been in Manchester for about five years with studying and working for a few years, I'd done my professional qualifications, so I was I was a chartered financial planner, so there were other qualifications that I could do, but within the financial planning industry, that's kind of the gold standard that people aspire to get to. So okay. once I'd achieved that, been working for a couple of years, got some experience, I thought now is probably a good time to move if I'm ever going to do it. And I had the kind of security or safety net that I'd done all my qualifications, I had my financial planning degree and I'd worked in the industry for a couple of years. So Mm -hmm. I thought, why not take this opportunity now, go and try living in another country. If it doesn't work out, I can come back. And And how did that come about, that um, initial opportunity? So it was actually through a LinkedIn post, um, but that was actually about 12 months before I actually moved. Okay. So I looking on LinkedIn as you do and you click through a few pages and before you know it you've sent your CV off to someone so I did that spoke to the recruiter at the time and I just decided that it wasn't quite right that time Mm -hmm. Uh, I just bought an apartment in Manchester I still had some qualifications to do and I only really then had about one year of actual working experience Mm -hmm. so I thought I'd like to do that but maybe the timing's just not quite right for me now and I gave myself a few list of things that I wanted to get done before I made that move the biggest one was finishing off the qualifications so I knew that I would be in a good position to get a role in Dubai but also if things don't work out I'm much more qualified than anyone else of my age so if I need to come back into a role then touch wood it wouldn't have been too difficult yeah so you'd built yourself a really solid base at that point you had property you had Mm -hmm. qualifications you could come back at any point right so the UAE is what's seven hours on a flight you know, if you need to be. So what were the main like challenges uh, when you made the move and you came out to Dubai? Was it a big culture shock? As, as a lot of people speak about online, they, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about Dubai that perhaps you, you're someone who's lived here for a number of years mm-hmm. now. What do you think of them? It was an interesting move. I'd never been to the Middle East before. I'd travelled through the airport, but it doesn't really give you a true insight into what <laughs> the place is like. And, you know, there was friends, family members saying move into the Middle East on your own you know is it safe is it the right thing to do but I've now been here for seven years and I've never once felt unsafe Um, I found that you know the local people here and all the other expats that are in this region everyone is so welcoming to their community so in the office that I'm based in there are lots of British people so perhaps within the office I wouldn't say I'm exposed to too many different cultures but when you're out of the office whether that's you're in the malls whether you're with friends there's so many different cultures that have come together in this region so it's you learn so much more about the world Mm -hmm. because it is such a 
multicultural place in the Middle East. So would you say, I mean, you've said that in your working environment, it's quite similar to home. And then when you're out of work, um, you've got a lot more cultural diversity there. Would you say that for someone who's considering the move, you, you have the safety net of your, your own culture being really strong here and you have, in your case, lots of British groups and, and whatnot that you can you can be with, but you also have the ability to go out there and, and mix as much as you want to? Yeah, exactly. So, for example, I was discussing this with a colleague earlier this week. If we're in Ramadan or it's Eid, you know, we're much more exposed to the local culture and the, the people here have always welcomed us in. So, for example, you know, throughout Eid, you can go to an iftar in the evening. You can learn about music and food that other nationalities or other cultures enjoy. Mm-hmm. So that is all you know, exposed to us you know, quite freely. And if you have children in schools here, I think the, the children are much more exposed to the other cultures that perhaps if you were still in your home country, you might not be exposed to. Yeah, no, quite right. And, and for people looking to move overseas, would you say that the UAE is the easiest transition? Or do you think that there's perhaps other places? I mean, you've only lived here, but do you think this is perhaps the most simple transition from the UK or where else would you think is on the map for that? Yeah, I'm not too sure on other places, um, but certainly moving to the UAE, I found it a very easy transition because mm-hmm. it is a transient place. You know, There's plenty of people every week, every year coming in and out of the country. So for example, one of the biggest things that you need to sort out when you move is finding somewhere to live. Mm-hmm. And there's plenty of people that will help you with your real estate. There's people that will help you with the schools. There's plenty of removals companies. It's, it's all quite accessible. So I think it's, from my experience, it was quite easy to make the move across here. But of course, there's always going to be you know hurdles that you have to get over. But there's plenty of people to help. And there's plenty of you know Facebook groups or the social media accounts where people are sharing their experiences of when they move to try and you know help other people it's it's very much a, a knowledge sharing region there's always someone to help always someone so many people ask. in your position exactly though, yeah or yeah either are currently going through mm-hmm. what you're going through or have been through yeah. it so that it's, it's fairly simple when you when you go back to the uk and you have conversations with people and you say oh i, I live in dubai you will commonly get same reactions like oh dubai it's a very high-end place everyone's earning a lot of money do you think that's a misconception for sure yeah every time I go back people see or not just through my social media but they see it through other people's social media and things that they've seen on the tv where Dubai is or the UAE is made out to be this very extravagant place people live these very extravagant lifestyles but there is that and there are people that do enjoy the life here in that way but it's also you know a very a normal place to be in that you know people come to work we have two days off for our weekend and between that you have your friends your family whoever else that you spend time with but a lot of what is kind of the perception of Dubai I would say is not actually what it's like in reality mm-hmm. and financially do you think there are risks involved in being here that people don't discuss enough yes definitely so when you move here there's you know, it depends on your circumstances. Are you coming on your own or with family? But for example, like I did, I came on my own. So when you first move, you feel under pressure that you need to make new friends. Mm-hmm. So you find yourself kind of just saying yes to all these social events right, just okay. to get out there and meet people. Whereas you know, that's great. And of course you should do that. You need to have friends around you. But I think people often get sucked into living that lifestyle for too long. A holiday exactly. kind of mindset and of just going out to every 
yeah and on whatever the financial side of things it's you know when you move here you are now receiving a salary in the local currency things are priced differently so your accommodation you might you know in the UK you probably pay your rent or your mortgage on a monthly basis Mm -hmm. whereas out here you might be paying it quarterly every six months or annually so Mm -hmm. You have to be much more um, disciplined, I suppose. Disciplined and think about your savings and your expenses more. because mm-hmm. often, yes. you yeah. might pay One your rent now and you don't have to pay anymore for six months. Is how easy credit or lines of credit from? are here in terms of credit cards and bank loans. Is that something that people should be educated on, a bit more aware of before they come? Yeah, I think it's the same really in any country that you're in. If you're being offered finance from the bank or from another lender, of course you need to be careful and... Yes, there are times when that type of money is required and it has its use. But from my experiences, what I found is in this part of the world, you know, the banks very easily will offer you credit. And perhaps the technology with the banks isn't quite where it's up to in other parts of the world where you could go to two or three different banks on the same day, take a large loan, which would actually be quite a high in comparison to your earnings. Mm-hmm. And if you're not careful with that money, you can easily know spend it and not have the any means of repayment right so you're getting a lot of people as you say there's there's a very active social calendar they're coming they're spending a lot of money perhaps Mm -hmm. uh, sort of more than they're earning they're building up debt Mm -hmm. and then and and there was some studies done uh, a couple of years ago saying 67 percent of expats leave the uae in a worse financial situation Mm -hmm. than when they arrive um which is which is surprising considering that most people come here to save money mm. and build up wealth initially when, when they first mm-hmm. arrive. Is what, what are the other things that you think kind of drive that? Are there any other, aside from the social calendar, what else do people need to be aware of that, that might kind of lead them into getting into debt? I think the property market is quite volatile here. So there's lots of peaks, troughs. And I think when the market is high, people perhaps do scale back and they will rent somewhere a bit more affordable. But... Mm. As we saw kind of t- through the pandemic and after the pandemic, as the rental prices reduced significantly here, people moved into places that previously they wouldn't have been able to afford or they lived much more central than what they had done previously. Mm-hmm. And then when the market picks up, you then either have to pay more for your rent or you have to move somewhere. Mm-hmm. And of course, every time that you move, there's costs associated with that. You know, people haven't thought about you know their commutes, what the traffic will be like. So in Dubai, I'd say because people you know, are so transient, not just from one country to another, but also in you know where they're renting. You know, you hear often people move every twelve months into a new place. So things like that are quite expensive, and you know the pattern of paying your rent, whether it's monthly, quarterly, or and so on, that can also affect your cash flow and mean that perhaps you need to take a quick loan you know and borrow some money just for a short period of time mm-hmm. which then kind of gets people into that kind of habit of doing it and think yeah. i've done it once or i'll just do it again yeah um, before, and especially you know, now given where interest rates are at mm-hmm. it can be quite dangerous and it can spiral into a, a mm-hmm. sort of troubling situation rather quickly let's talk about income tax because obviously that's one of the main drivers mm-hmm. as to why people come to the uae um, initially before it, it was as glamorous as as it is today, there was a lot of pioneers that came out here for high-paying mm-hmm. jobs with no income tax. Now, obviously, things are changing in the UAE. We are seeing certain taxes slowly drip-fed into, into play. How should people react to not paying income tax? What do you think is the, the, the wisest strategy? You are going to be earning more than mm-hmm. perhaps you would be in other cases. How do you plan around that? 
from a financial planning standpoint? So the way that I've always looked at it is, well, what do you get, let's say, in the UK when you pay your tax? You get education if you've got children, you get your health care, and you're likely to get some form of pension provision. Mm -hmm. So when you come here, you have to factor in whether or not you receive those three things. Mm -hmm. And if you have children, you need to think... Do you personally have to pay for their school fees or is that being provided by your employer? Same for your healthcare and your pension planning or retirement planning. So I think it's important that if one of those is missing now and you have to fund it yourself, you make suitable provision for that and you do that from day one. Mm -hmm. Because you often hear people saying, well, let's use the retirement planning as an example. In the UK, you'd be contributing towards your pension. You might also be paying to get government contribution of the state pension in retirement but if you move to Dubai and think oh it's a long way off I'll do that in a few years time before you know it you've done whatever else that you've done and you haven't got into that discipline routine of saving on a monthly basis so I think it's important that when you okay you're not paying tax but you need to understand well I was paying my tax what was I getting back from the government for that if there is now something missing, that you make provision for that within your monthly expenditure to ensure that you don't come to the UAE for 10 years. And like you said, about two thirds of people are in a worse financial position when they leave. You don't want to be that person. So making sure that you are saving on a monthly basis, whether it's into some form of retirement plan or just a savings account to ensure that there is still that that pot of money there for when you retire. And how easy is it to set something up like that in order to you know put money away on maybe a monthly basis or a quarterly or whatever it may be is that relatively straightforward for expats whilst they're here are there any risks involved in that what what do people need to be thinking about so it's relatively easy to set up Um, there's different options available to you depending on what your needs are so Mm -hmm. the place where you should save your money will be very different if you are just saving you know for your emergency fund or if you're saving longer term for buying a property or for a pension So you need to understand, you know, what type of savings account is best suited for you. Mm -hmm. You need to understand where that money's held, how the provider or the institution is regulated. Because there are, you know, I've heard some horror stories over the years where people haven't done their research. They've invested in an investment or a product which isn't regulated Mm -hmm. where it should be. Um, So I think as long as you are taking financial advice, you are investing somewhere in regulated and you keep it under review because what the right advice for you is now might not be the right advice in two three years time when your circumstances have changed how how often is it recommended that you should review your holdings so in terms of reviewing your holdings i would say you know maybe every six months or so Mm -hmm. just depends what you're invested in and how much risk you can afford to take some people you know like to leave it maybe one year and then review it. it. It completely depends on the person. But as long as there is some form of review taking place on a frequent basis, then okay. I think you're comfortable. Okay, so just finally, Rebecca, for anyone who's currently umming and ahhing over the sort of thought of moving overseas to another country, what would you say are three bits of advice from someone who's now been an expat for a number of years that you would give to them prior to them deciding to move overseas or not? So I'd say go for it. I think living in a new country does expose you to so many new cultures, ways of life, different food, whatever it is that that drives you, you will find some form of that in a new country. I think also understand the financial side of it. So 
whilst a job offer with a salary and a package might look great, you really need to understand how much does it actually cost to live in that country mm. and can you still afford to save and make sure that you are protecting your future. And lastly, probably have a plan and don't let time kind of run away without you making sure that you're still on track to achieve what you want to achieve. Brilliant. Thanks so much for joining us today. Some really great insights there on all things finance and career planning and then obviously living overseas as an expat. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Financial Athletes. One of the best ways you can stay in touch with the show is by hitting the subscribe button. It helps us get better guests on in future and elevate the podcast to the top of the listener charts. Thank you so much once again. See you next time.